2: Blog Talk Radio.
3: Tonight, we'll go back in time to seasons past when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats. Football history and its memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats podcasting and broadcasting network. In conjunction with Swick Enterprises, and we're live from the Wallyford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. And I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats Magazine is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game. Since its inception in 1869, we cover 140-plus years of football history and memorabilia. And you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my special guest co-host. He is a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian who has an intensive and historical 19th century collection of football memorabilia, along with an incredible complete set run of football cards. He's been our guest host co host in the past, and I would like to welcome once again, Mr. Jeff Payne. Jeff, afternoon,
1: Bob. Well, evening, Bob. I guess it is now. How are you doing?
3: I'm very thankful that you uh, agreed to fill in. You got big shoes to fill in tonight when Joe's out, but I know you can do the job and do it well. And uh, I appreciate I you coming. I don't know on. anybody
1: can fill. I don't know if anybody can fill. Joe's shoes but uh <laughs> looking forward to it thanks thanks for having me on well thank you for being on and I'd like to lead off our uh
3: our banter before our guest comes on and I want to like to I would like to talk about football matchbooks and I know you have and I've seen uh your amazing collection of them and i like for you to uh you know fill in our audience on what you have and uh And I'll be asking a few questions on it as we go along. So let's start off. Uh, What do you have in them, and how would you get started with them?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Bob. I mean, I I love matchbooks. I don't know about you, but um, there's just something appealing to them, particularly the old ones from the 30s and 40s. Um, You know, there's some great runs I can talk about that are out there. Um, you know, everything from the diamond matchbooks in the 30s to the red skin ones in the 40s, and there's a lot of one-off, you know, matchbook-wise. I got kind of into it because, as you know, there's some players in that era, just because of the time frame when there weren't a lot of cards, that, you know, they're, they don't have a lot of cardboard images. And, and mm-hmm. some of those, you know, some of those Hall of Famers and those stars are on matchbooks. And so if you're into collecting you know, true rookies or pre-rookie cards or whatever you want to call it, you know, matchbooks are the place to go. And so I kind of started with those because I've always tried to find the first card of a, of a player. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of those were, you know, early 30s matchbooks. And, and I just got kind of hooked on them. They're, they're not that expensive other than, of course, some exceptions. So it's kind of fun to collect them because it's not, it's not a costly endeavor compared to maybe some other other sets, and, um, you know, there's just, you know, there's teams you, you know, you read about that, you know, we obviously didn't see on these matchbooks, because they're teams that aren't in existence any longer, which is, I think, really cool, and you don't see that mm-hmm. often in cards, and so I just kind of got into it, and then I'm a set collector, as you mentioned, you know, once I start on something, you know, it's just a matter of time before I get sucked in, right, and I start trying to complete <laughs> that, so, yeah, you know, that, mm-hmm. that's happened with the matchbooks. As well.
3: Well, your your collection is amazing. I know I have probably sixty seventy matchbooks in my collection, uh, all various um, players and from the different series and the like. And I do agree with you. I mean, matchbooks today are really um, not widely found anymore because you know people don't use them anymore. Everybody uses lighters or whatever. But they are representing a, a part of history, especially with the football matchbooks. That is is, as you say, a lot of the first uh, actual photos of a player and or, quote-unquote, a first card of a player can be found on these matchbooks mm-hmm. and or uh, defunct teams at the same time. So it's a great collectible. And to me, it's always been relatively affordable because a lot of individuals kind of overlooked it and or and or were never educated on it, so they never really collected it at the same time. So it's, it's something... Right. Uh, to, to me, it's very, very appealing to to any collector, per se. So I'll, I'll throw out immediately, if if we look at the diamond matchbooks of of the 30s, wh- what are some of the more difficult sets and or individual matchbooks that a collector can collect?
1: Yeah, I, I call the diamond matchbook run, you know, from 33 to 38, kind of the granddaddy. Mm-hmm of the matchbook runs because there's other runs like the Redskin ones I mentioned that came a little later and a few other you know team sets. But the the Diamond Matchbooks are kind of the granddaddy. I think there's like four hundred of them in that era from thirty three to thirty eight. You know, in my opinion mm-hmm. by far and away the hardest one to complete, and I certainly have not completed it, is the nineteen thirty four set. You know, first it's right, the biggest. Right. It's a beast. It's hundred and twenty five matchbooks and there are multiple colors for those maps books in fact could be up to 4 there nobody is sure that the 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 checklist is even complete because there's also some there's some short prints for whatever reason the bears and the packers are just really difficult to find um, and nobody knows why like why those teams right we don't really know how they were distributed and 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 you know how it all happened but you know, completing that set is a bear. I'm down to needing mm. of the 125. I think I'm down to needing around 30 or so. Um, wow. But they're all, the, they're all the big dogs you know, from a short print perspective. Uh, and so I don't know if I'll ever actually complete that, complete that set. You know, Once you get past 34, I would say the next TARDIS is 33 the first year they came out. Um, right. And 33, it, it's not that you can't find them. It doesn't appear to have as many short prints as 34, but it has a lot of stars, right? I mean you're talking Turk Edwards and Arnie Herber and you know Grange is in there and Hapmorin and, and Nagurski and Ken Strong sure. and on and on and on. And so those tend to be pretty pricey because they're Hall of Famers. Right. Whereas the 34 set is pricey because they're short prints and they're just really hard to find. I'm down to needing six of the 33s. There's 95 in the set. I need six more to complete it. And they don't look like they're going to be, it's just a matter of finding them, right? It's not for their short prints or anything. And then the the rest of them are actually very, very easy from 35 to 38. There's a few, you know, tricky ones in there, but I've completed 35 and completed 36 um i've completed or i I think i need one in 37 and i need like two in 38 or something so those are almost all complete and they're a lot easier and also a lot smaller at least 36 through 38 is a lot smaller right right
3: you know the one thing i noticed over the years collecting them you know on and off as i as i have is that there's a lot of um mislabeling of what the matchbook is for example a dealer or an individual who gets them uh posts them let's say on eBay as the wrong year or the wrong series no have you have you seen a lot of that over the years I, I would assume you probably have i don't i don't know though
1: oh yeah and and not just that i mean ones that are psa labeled in fact i just within the last week sent an email to um, an auction house. I won't name the auction house. It wasn't their prop. It wasn't their fault. Um, you know, they, they had an auction up, and I was just perusing through it, and I saw a matchbook. And as soon as I saw it, I said, "Oh, that's not the right year." And I looked at the the flip, and it, the flip was wrong. You know, so I sent the auctioneer a, a note. He actually said, "Yeah, you know, I sent it that in as the year you're describing." I don't know these very well, and PSA sent it back and told me I had it wrong. Now I got to go tell them they had it wrong. You know. So, you know, yeah, wow. and I had a lot of trouble up front differentiating between them, particularly thirty-four and thirty-five because they are right, very right. similar, and then thirty-six right. and thirty-seven. And and until I kind of got into it and and kind of learned what they look like in the nuances, they are kind of tough. If you don't collect them, they are tough to tell apart. Right, right, and I'm surprised. And they are mislabeled a lot, which you can use to your advantage, right? They're always mislabeled right. on on, on uh, eBay I mean nobody knows the years on eBay they're they're always wrong and I'm still surprised
3: people sent them out to be graded I mean I, I don't see what the the attraction would be to grade those those are the type of pieces especially if you have a, a full book with the matches in it that you want to display it rather than encapsulate it you know what I mean so I, I yeah. mean definitely not as much as I I as everyone knows, I, I have a lot of questions on grading. That's something to me that, that should not be graded. You should just put them in uh, pages and, and enjoy looking at them type of thing, whether they're, you got them flat open or whether you have the actual matchbook or whatever or if the strikers are missing. You know, they are amazing pieces of football history that have lasted that many years. And, and I always say the, the paper drives of World War II took a lot mm-hmm. of that paper, even from a lowly matchbook, and was recycled for the war effort. So, again, how no many doubt. of these matchbooks out of out of those 400 still exist, you know? I mean, we're really looking at 30, 40 of each, you know, maybe 50 each, 100. I don't know. I, I have no, no clue, and I'm not going to go by any type of population report either because a lot of people, no. like myself, like yourself, and a lot of other collectors don't get them graded, you know what I mean? So we prefer well, seeing don't them, grade, you know. You
1: know? Yeah. They don't grade exactly, very high usually either, right? There's pin well, there's, you know, staple holes where the, you know, somebody took the matches out or opened the flip-up. You know, a lot of times the striker yeah, yeah. is is ripped because the the matches were used and they, you know, tore up the striker. Sometimes people cut them off, people number them on the back, a lot of old school collectors yeah. because they're not numbered would put the number, right, right. right? They were keeping on the checklist, right? And so the, a lot of them yep. have you know, p- um, pencil or ink on the back. Um, yeah, they're yep. not really the kind of thing that you're going to get in high grade unless you're getting some of the proofs. Like right? there are proofs right. out there, ones that were never distributed, never folded. So they don't have any fold marks. Those look grade really high, but I don't really consider those, you know, uh, uh, that's not what I'm collecting. I'm, I'm collecting ones that were distributed and used, right. and that means, yes. you know, right. they were used. So they're not going to grade right. very high in general. So I agree with you. I don't know why you'd ever grade them. It's so easy to put them in, in binders and display them, and they, they look so great that uh, that's what I
3: do. Right. I, just, I just think they display much more nicely in sheets in a binder and, and to be able to look at them and pull them out and actually examine them more closely. Uh, there's, there's, I mean, to me, it's just the best way to learn about them and look at them. One quick story on them, um, I did – and have done in the past the Paper Mania show here in Hartford uh, at the mm. Civic Center. And there was a dealer there who just dealt in matchbooks of all uh, mm. types of, um, you know, hobbies, sports, uh, advertising, so on and so forth. And he told me at the show, it was interesting, I, he had a couple football matchbooks, which I bought from him. Uh, they they didn't have the strikers or anything. They were, they were pretty beat. But he says, sports ones I, I normally can't hold on to for a long period of time because there's such a demand for them. And I echoed to him that I, I could see why, especially, uh, you know, in football because they're tough to find and so on and so forth. But he was very knowledgeable. And he said, I've collected them all my life and I've dealt with them all my life. And I thought that was pretty interesting because there's very few uh, pure – uh paper type of collector uh paper type of dealers who just deal only in matchbooks i find it very interesting right. and there several so there there was at one time two or three different organizations for collectors to join on them i think they all combined into one i'm not sure on that though hmm. so uh but it was interesting quick question for you uh um, yeah. any interesting story as far as collecting them of a find that you made at a show or Via an auction or mail or, or with another collector or whatever it may be.
1: Yeah, a couple things spring to mind. One is I actually I ran into someone a lot like what you're describing. I don't know if it was the same individual or just one of others, but you know, a hardcore matchbook collector who you know I met through eBay. And, um, you know, he was advertising, you know, I've got this, I don't remember how many, you know, tens of thousands of matchbooks he had collected and he was selling. It was was a tremendous number of matchbooks. And he had a few football, obviously. He had everything else because he was collecting everything and struck up a, a, you know, discussion with him. And and he's been a pretty good source for a few. He keeps his eyes open for the things that I need, which is kind of nice. You know, the the other story is – you know there's a there's a red grange matchbook out there mm-hmm. for a defunct uh, nightclub that he either owned or had his name associated with it. was called the seventy seven club and um, right. I actually right. first saw it, I believe it was when the dryers sold um all of their stuff years ago. Um, in a, hum, you know, a couple of humongous auctions, as you remember, they had just an incredible collection of everything. And I saw this matchbook, and I'd never seen it before, and it has Grange on it, and it mentions this club, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I need that. Didn't win it. Somebody else got it, you know, obviously, as a collector, all bummed and depressed. Um, and then it probably took five, six, seven years before it rolled back around. And lately it rolled mm-hmm. back around and uh, came back up for auction, I think it was the exact same one. I went back and looked and it looked very similar and um I was able to get it this time. But the irony was is um you know, like a month later, and this always happens of course, I'm perusing eBay and you know, up pops another one at a very low wow. buy it now. You know, someone who clearly did not know how, you know, rare this matchbook was and I didn't even hesitate. Never. I was like, Well, I guess I got two. <laughs> <laughs> and this one had all the matches in it so i got one with, wow. with no matches and now i have one with full matches and and got it for ironically a fraction of the the cost of the one with no matches in it because somebody oh, didn't sure. know anything about it put it up on email you know so i'm sure you know th- sure. Th- that happened
3: yeah, I it, it just amazes me how Many collectors, or not. let me rephrase that, many people trying to sell stuff, whether they're a dealer or collector or just they found it in the attic, they go on eBay, they, they make a judgment of what they think it's actually worth, and sometimes it's worth, obviously, you know, they're, they're putting it out for uh, pennies on the dollar, and at other times, they're putting dollars on pennies, if you know what I mean. So, you know, exactly. the extremes are there mm-hmm. all the time. It's just, it's just amazing to me. It's just amazing to see. And uh, I don't spend as much time as I used to on eBay for a variety of reasons, but I'm just, I'm just shocked at some of the stuff people are advertising at the prices they're advertising and totally floored when I see something that, let's say, it's, it should be worth $1,000, they get it for sale for $99, buy it now type of Yes, yeah. It doesn't make sense to me, to say the least, but uh, that, that's well, a man. great guy to, to pick up. Wow. Yeah, I
1: thought so. Mm-hmm. One last thought there is, and so many people are down on eBay. I mean, a lot of people, oh, you don't use eBay, can't get deals anymore. I totally agree with you. And a lot of stuff you see is way overpriced, and you know, mm-hmm. and it's or it's a you know whatever. But then you know, if you if you're diligent, if you just keep on it and you know what you're doing, you will find some great deals on eBay. Right. But when they come up, right. you better hit that button fast, because um, yeah. I guarantee yeah. you, within an hour, somebody else. Who knows of it would have seen it, and uh, yeah. you know, would know what about it so yeah. He'll drop. that's a word to word to the wise
3: for the collector and the, the savvy collector who, who understands something you know they see to see the value of it and the, they will buy it type of thing. My wife always says no that to me when we go someplace um, like we're in an antique shop or whatever, and I see something and I say, why do these people have this at this price?" I mean, they're giving it away type of thing. They have no clue what it is type, type of thing. And, I, yeah. you know, obviously i got to pick it up because I don't want to pass it up. I know I can either resell it or I can trade it for something I need. But uh, just, exactly. it just truly really amazes me. It truly amazes me. So, uh, all right, that's good. I, I'm glad we got to talk a little bit about your matchbooks and your collection. One last thought on my part. I love the college rivalry. Matchbooks, i always enjoyed those. I always thought those were so cool to look at, Mm -hmm. and uh, I I have quite a few. I don't have the complete set of those, but that's a great um, area to collect also. I truly enjoy it. All right. Our special guest is here, and I'd like to introduce him. Uh, He was last on our show back all the way in 2012. He has a super collection of Buffalo Bills cards and memorabilia with over 100,000 items, many of which are now housed at the Buffalo History Museum. In my opinion and the opinion of the hobby, he is the authority on all items Buffalo Bills. And I'd like to introduce once again and welcome back to our show, Mr. Greg Tran. Greg, welcome. Hey, Bob and Jeff. Uh, hey, thanks a lot for having
2: me on. It's great to, great to be back.
3: I appreciate you coming back on, and I am always in awe of your collection. And I know you and I go back many, many years when you bought that infamous Bowen Field, New Haven, uh, uh, Bill's preseason game program for me. I don't don't even know how many years ago. It was quite a few years ago. But uh, I was always, uh, uh, (laughs) always impressed with your collection, and you were one of the original subscribers to the Football Times newsletter at the same time, so. I thank you for subscribing to that also. Uh, How did you get started collecting uh, all your Buffalo Yeah, v- very simple. Uh, very simple. My
2: uh, my dad took me to my first uh, Bills game when I was uh, eight years old at the old uh, rock pile uh, in 1965. The Bills were playing the Denver Broncos. It was uh, Cookie Gilchrist's first game back in Buffalo as a Bronco wow. after he had been, uh, after wow. he had been traded. And, um, my, you know, my dad took me and, um, I still have the game ticket, uh, the game program. And he bought me a bobblehead, uh, doll at, uh, outside the stadium before the game. And, uh, I still have that, um, wow. and that, that experience of, you know, getting those collectibles, but then just walking in and seeing the game. And of course the bills won that day, 31 to 13. Um, so it cemented my, uh, my interest. And then this was 1965. Um, and that was actually the first year I started collecting football cards. And of course the tops tall boys were out and the bills Mm -hmm. have a pink background on their players, which I fell in love with. Um, and then for (laughs) Christmas, my dad, my dad bought me a Johnny hero, Buffalo bills doll. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And wow. those three things cemented my uh, both my love for the bills and uh, and totally got me into uh, collecting memorabilia and all sorts. And and you've been at it ever since,
1: I'm guessing, Greg. Is that true? Yeah, I've been at it ever since. On. I mean,
2: yeah, I mean, by, by and large, as a as a kid, I of course collected football cards every every season, and I would keep the ticket in the program from games my dad took me to but we would only go to like one game a year or something um, and then when I graduated from college I decided I really wanted to collect the history of the of the team and then of course I had my own money um, and that's when I really got um, really broadened the collection beyond you know football cards and, and my own you know the the, the games I attended
3: and I, I'll point out too, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Greg. You you basically started collecting before collecting was really in vogue and and took off basically back in the '80s.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I was I graduated from college in 1978, and I started collecting seriously right right then, um, yeah. and, and forward yeah. from that point forward. Yeah. Wow. wow, which is That's why like I have a hundred over a hundred thousand o- objects.
1: <laughs> in the collection. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I saw that. And that was kind of first thing I was thinking of was where the heck do you keep it all? But I remember when you were on in 2012, um, you had some amazing stuff. Um, What have you picked up since then that you're really fond of? Is there anything you want to share uh, that you've gotten recently?
2: Yeah, there's probably uh, about a half a dozen things that I think are quite uh, interesting. One, Jim Kelly's first USFL signed contract um, with the Houston gamblers wow. that was signed June 21st, 1983. It's signed by Kelly. It's also signed by USFL commissioner uh, Chet Simmons. Um, it was a $275,000 annual salary and a $500,000 interest free loan. <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> Okay.
2: So, that was and I only got that here in the last couple of last couple of months. Um so that's a pretty interesting. Um and then I I picked up O.J. Simpson's Buffalo Bills Wall of Fame ring. Um oh, oh and wow. And then um and then you know of course that the NFL in 2015 started all the color rush jerseys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I picked up a Jerry Hughes uh, red Bills color rush jersey from the first time they wore them on November 12, 2015 against the Jets. Um, and, and then I picked up a, a Dick Cunningham, who was a linebacker uh, and an offensive guard for the Bills for six years, a standing Buffalo helmet from 1972. Uh, but the unique story about Cunningham is in his second year, he started uh, dating Al B. Miller, who was a teammate, his sister. They dated for two weeks, got married, and have been married for over 50 years.
3: <laughs> wow. wow.
2: That's so so cool. kind, of an, kind of an interesting story. I wrote to him and told him I had his helmet and stuff, and so we started corresponding, and he told me that story, so that was pretty good. Um, and then, an awesome and, story. <laughs> and then two stories related to Mary Wilson, who's the widow of Bill's owner, Ralph Wilson in 1998 in a game here in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Um, there was a couple of really bad calls at the end of the game, uh, that cost the Bills the game. In fact, I think it's the only time in NFL history, they called a pass interference on a Hail Mary pass, gave the Patriots the ball on the one yard line and they scored the winning touchdown on the next play. It's the only time in Ralph's career that uh, he was fined. He was fined by Paul Tagliabue $50,000. Well, later that year, Mary bought a statue in New Orleans of a blind ref, and she gave it to Ralph (laughs) as a gift. Um, And that (laughs) that statue sat in the Bill's administration building since 1998. Um, until a year ago and the Pagoulas had made some changes to the administration office. So so they sold a bunch of stuff that was in the administration office and so I won the blind ref.
1: <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, that that's iconic.
2: Yeah. yeah that is totally cool. <laughs> and then um and then Mary did an event at the Buffalo History Museum a couple weeks ago. We have this uh, series called Evening with an Icon. Last year we had Thurman Thomas, this year we did Mary. And it's a couple-hour program. Well, at the end of the program, she announced that she would be donating to the History Museum Ralph's Hall of Fame bust. Hmm. Um, And there's only two. There's only two. There's one at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and the enshrinee gets one. And she's donating it to be part of the trancher collection at the History Museum. Um, So we were were pretty stunned. Yeah, yeah. so those are yeah, some so of the things I picked
3: up.
1: You you mentioned the Buffalo History Museum. Obviously, it sounds like you have a lot of things that are housed there. Ha, ha, what's the relationship with with the Bills and the History Museum and all that? It sounds like obviously um, you know it's a pretty close relationship between you and and the Bills with with all the awesome memorabilia you have. Yeah, yeah, we happens. have a
2: we have a very very collaborative relationship um they actually have been this this fall they've they've had some 60th anniversary video clips they've been doing every week during the season um and they had come over before the season started and they took a whole bunch of video footage of different artifacts at the museum and every one of the video clips that they've been doing to celebrate their 60th anniversary has had memorabilia from the collection in it wow um so things like that, their marketing people have been over to, you know, to the museum. Um, so we have a, you know, it's a good working, you know, good, a very good working relationship. Uh, Thurman Thomas, who's employed by the Bills, he's been, um, you know, he's been the spokesperson for the Icons exhibit that we opened in the fall of 2017. Um, he actually did a, a signing uh, basically in October. It was a Saturday in October. He did an autograph signing at the museum. Um, and like I said, he was our evening with an icon last year. So, um, so yeah, so we have a, we have a good relationship with, uh, with, with the bills.
1: Sounds like a road trip. Bob. Yes. We need to get to the Buffalo history museum. Yes. Yes. You guys need to come up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. I know. I, I, you know, I, I, uh, couldn't make your last offer for Greg, but, uh, I definitely want to come up one weekend and, uh, Taking a game with you and check out the museum. So uh, I, I will be up there. Don't worry, I will yeah. make it. All right. <laughs> it's on my uh, list What's the things to do, to say the least? So all right. Will, uh,
1: Bucket list. Great. And
2: and the bills might actually be getting competitive here. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. it yeah. might exactly. make it
3: more enticing. <laughs> there you go. It's a. It's amazing. All right. I want to put you on the spot, Greg. I, I, I asked you this question seven years ago. I'll ask you again. And maybe it's changed since then. What are the top six favorite items that you have in your collection? And if you could describe them to our audience. Sure. Um, first and, and number one, and it's
2: because I'm a history geek, is I have every Bill's game program from every game they have ever played. Home, away, neutral sites, playoffs, Super Bowls. Um oh. And so that tells the history of the team from 1960 to the, to the present. Um, wow. so that's actually my, my favorite part of the collection. And I have every – I have um, seven four-drawer filing cabinets, and the programs are all in manila files with the ticket stub, with the newspaper articles. Um, and so if you call and you want to know something that happened at the game, um, no matter when it was, I can easily get it. I have the game books from the NFL. Um, So that is the history of the, you know, of the, of the team. Um, I have an Art Baker blue and silver jersey. Uh, So the Bills only wore blue and silver in 1960 and 1961 because Ralph Wilson, before he um, bought the Bills and joined the American football league, he was a part owner of the Detroit Lions. Um, And so he brought the Lions colors to the Bills, in their first two seasons, Buster Ramsey, their head coach was the Lions defensive coordinator and he was the Bills head coach in the first couple seasons. Um, and there are, um, I don't know of others that exist. Um, there, there may be out there in the hobby someplace, but it's certainly a very rare, um, Jersey, um, to, to, to find. Um, wow. Well, my, my third uh, unique, maybe the most unique item in the collection is um, you, you two guys will probably recall that, you know, Jack Kemp was a, was a politician following his, uh, his pro football career. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, ran, uh, he ran as the vice presidential candidate under, uh, with, with Bob Dole in the 1996 presidential campaign and presidential election. Mm-hmm. During the mm-hmm. campaign, of course, he, he was assigned Secret Service agent. Those Secret Service agents wore lapel pins that were standing Buffalo helmets, which is when Kemp played. And there are two different ones. And I have both of them, and I bought them from a Secret Service agent that guarded Kemp during the presidential camp. Wow.
1: That's um, awesome.
2: And then um, well, Scott Norwood. We'll all remember Scott Norwood for the famous Wide Right. Wide tick. Right. Um, Yep. well, I have it's the helmet that he wore in that game, um, which wow. is, which I, I would which I would argue, other than maybe his shoe, <laughs> would be maybe <laughs> the most maybe the most iconic collectible in Super Bowl history. Because what most people don't realize, it's the only Super Bowl that was won or lost on a single kick. The other ones that Adam Vinatieri kicked, the Jim O'Brien kicked, those were if they missed the kick, the game went to overtime. They weren't to mm-hmm. win or lose. Um this is the only kick in Super Bowl history to win or lose. Um and so and and arguably it was, if not, one of the greatest you know, if not the greatest Super Bowl ever, it certainly is in the top five of the greatest games ever. Um from of curious
1: Bowl Greg, right, if you if you put that helmet on, it's like um, maybe the face guard in front of his eyes, or was he looking out the ear <laughs> hole by mistake? Or I mean, could you figure no. out what happened on that kick? Because um, that was crushing for some of us um, that were really rooting hard for the Bills. It
2: was it was very crushing to be sitting in Tampa Stadium, and I was at the other end of the field, and from my um, vantage point, it looked like it was good.
3: So you were there. Oh, wow.
2: So for a brief instant I thought we were Super Bowl champions. <laughs> <laughs> until I saw the that giants jumping up and down. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, and then two other to fill out the six. Um I have stadium seats from War Memorial Stadium, um, which is where the Bill's initial home was in um in nineteen thirty seven. Um was when the stadium was opened. Uh, what many people don't realize is there's a there's a long professional football history at War Memorial Stadium before, um, you know, before the Bills. Um, in mm-hmm. fact, there was mm-hmm. an article, Bob, that you published in, you know, in the magazine about um, War Memorial Stadium being the most popular neutral site of NFL games mm-hmm. played from 1938 to 1960. Um, and then, of course, they had an AFC team there. Um, and so there's quite a bit of history. Mm-hmm. Plus the Bills won the 1964 AFL championship at War Memorial Stadium. And in 1966, they lost the championship to go to Super Bowl One, and Kansas City won at War Memorial Stadium and went to Super Bowl I. Um, so I have I have seats mm-hmm. from the from the stadium, from original seats. Right. Um, and then the last of the six is. Uh, I have a game-worn jersey of O.J. Simpson from his 1973 season when he rushed for 2,000 yards. Um, it's not the game he broke the record, it's, but it's from. It was actually from the Colts game. I think it was their fifth game of the season. Um, and so, and of course, you know what? Again, what most people don't remember is O.J. is still the only um, NFL player to rush for 2,000 yards in 14 games. Right. Um, Everybody, right. yeah. everyone that's rushed for 2,000 yards since then did it in either game 15 or game 16. Um, so he's the yeah. only one.
3: Have you ever? Yeah, that's, uh, that's I'm just, cu- I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. Have you ever got OJ Simpson in person? I mean, either before yeah. or after the incident. Okay.
2: Um, actually, six months prior, um, the Bills had a. 20th anniversary celebration in 1993 of his 2000 yard season and they had a dinner at a hotel in Buffalo um, and I bought you know I bought tickets and they had a big cocktail hour and OJ was out chatting with everybody And you know, I chatted with him for a while he's the most friendly guy you'd ever meet um, very personable very easy to talk to um, and that was six months before um, in fact, I think the next day was when he wore his Bruno Mali shoes and they were, wow. <laughs> they were, they were, they took a picture of them. So,
1: yeah.
2: Um, yeah that would be a uh, nice pickup too. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, and, and, you know, I mean, and I mean, you know, he was my, he was my childhood hero. I mean, I was, you know, from the time he played at USC, I was 11. Um, and when the Bills drafted him, I was 12. Um, I mean, he was he was my childhood hero. Um, I mean, you know, a, a player like that coming to Buffalo, um,
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. you know, at the at the time, I mean, he was a superstar. Um, yeah,
3: so.
1: was, yeah, no, he he was something else on the field. I'll tell you, there's no doubt about that.
3: Right, right.
1: Hey, and so, Greg, I'm a his, I'm kind of a history buff too, and um, I was reading about your new book. That you have out makers moments and memorabilia, Chronicle of Buffalo Professional Sports. Can you talk about that book and what's included in the book? And I got my finger right over top of the buy it now, so you know I'm hoping uh, you push me over the edge here. No, I'm I'm gonna buy it. It sounds awesome, but I'd love to hear more about it and how that all came about.
2: Sure. Uh, What really, uh, it really generated from, um, as as I think you guys know, I I curated uh, an exhibit for the History Museum called Icons, the Makers and Moments of Buffalo Sports that we opened in 2017. And, of course, that covers Buffalo sports history, um, professional sports history. And during that, as you would imagine, I did a tremendous amount of research um that you don't show in an exhibit because you can't you only have you know 60 to 80 word labels and so on and so forth so i had all this material and so i went to the executive director of the history museum and said i should write a book and you know and, and i'll be glad to have all the proceeds go to the museum well to make a long story short we ended up collaborating with both the history museum and a publishing company called western new york heritage which is a Nonprofit publishing company in Buffalo that publishes a history magazine uh, uh, every quarter and so we collaborated I wrote the manuscripts um, from all the research that we did I selected all the photos and memorabilia that are displayed in the book and then Western New York heritage they did all the design work um, and and the, the printing and ultimately the release of the of the book so we have a great, you know, a great relationship. But the book itself um, explores Buffalo's, you know, professional sports history. It features stories, um, I would say, striking photos, um, very unique artifacts that span more than 150 years, from 1857 to to the present day. It explores the origins of professional sports in Buffalo, how everything started, um, and and the key founders of the major teams that that you know, are, are or were in Buffalo. Every professional sports team that has played in Buffalo is represented. Football teams, wow. baseball teams, basketball teams, soccer teams. There's even a women's softball team. There was a world team tennis team. They're all, um, they're all covered. Um, and then fans will relive many unforgettable moments. So we capture a number of individual moments. Um, like, for example, in 1984, the Bills were 0-11 and hosted the Dallas Cowboys, and on the first play of the game, Greg Bell ran 85 yards for a touchdown, and the Bills upset the Cowboys that day 14-3. Um, and so we'll capture those kind of things that a lot of Bills fans will either remember, or if they were too young, they'll be inspired by, wow, that's very cool that, you know, that happened. Um, we think that this is really the first um, the first of its kind of book in that I don't know of any other book that's been written about all of the professional sports teams from a single community. Um, cl- clearly there's been tons of books written about individual teams, but to talk about the full professional sports history of, of a community, I don't think has been, has been done before. Um, the book is 168 pages. It's about 40,000 words. There's 248 photos, which include action photos, as well as memorabilia and, um, and artifacts. Um, as I think I mentioned, the book is a collaboration of the two nonprofits, the Buffalo History Museum and Western New York Heritage. All of the proceeds of the sale of the book go to the two nonprofits. Um, so it's, it's also a, you know, a, a generator for revenue for the, for the two organizations. Um, for me, the book was a labor of love. Uh, obviously, I love Buffalo sports. Um, and so it allowed me to even find things out that I didn't even know. And part of what I tried to do in the book was tell some stories that people don't know. Even the most ardent Buffalo fan, there's stuff in there that they don't know because I didn't know. Wow. Um, and so um, so I think everybody will enjoy it. I think the the, the photos just... Do it, you know, a real a real service, um, and so I think people will really get a lot of memories. Or if they if they you know didn't experience it, they would really appreciate the breadth of Buffalo's you know sports um, sports history. Um, and we had um, four we had four uh, corporate sponsors um, that basically paid for the publication of the book, um, Independent Health, uh, New Era Cap. Uh, NTT Data and the Bear, the Baird Foundation all donated money so that we could cover all of the expenses of the book before it was published, so that the proceeds can go to the to the two nonprofits. Um, so, just really exciting for me. Of course, it's the first book I've had published, um, and so it's very exciting to be a, a first time author. Um, so, um, so I just feel really good about it. There's some really interesting um, football stories. Um, you know, again, a lot of people don't know, I mean, I know you guys do, but, you know, Buffalo had an original franchise in the national football league all the way back to 1920. Um, there's a disputed championship in 1921, (laughs) um, that, you know, in Buffalo, it's referred to as the Staley swindle, um, where, you know, the all American, the Buffalo all Americans, claimed the championship. They had beaten Chicago, thought they were champions, and then the owner agreed to pay, play two what he thought were postseason exhibition games, beat Akron, lost to Chicago, and then uh, George Hallis claimed that, that that was really for the championship and was more important and convinced his fellow owners. and They awarded the championship to Chicago, and the Buffalo owner, Frank McNeil, fought that for the rest of his life. Yeah,
1: that was a and House did that a couple times or tried to do that a couple times and then he tried to do that in '24 as well. I remember that. So I was again I was curious how much coverage you gave to the All Americans and Elmer Oliphant and you know some of the other players. But just based on the time frame, I figured they were in there. So that's totally cool. Yes, yes, they're
2: they're they're in there. Um's awesome and then uh, the the other thing that uh, a lot of people don't know is in um nineteen forty the American Football League that was formed in nineteen forty and played in nineteen forty and forty one as a competitor to the n f l the founding of the league and the original doc league documents were crafted at the Hotel Lafayette in downtown buffalo um and you know the, it the AFL was a legitimate competitor to the NFL, and if it hadn't been for Pearl Harbor, maybe Buffalo would be the Canton, Ohio of pro football. (laughs) There you go. So so just a couple more uh,
1: stories. That's awesome. Yeah, and as you know, obviously, Buffalo kind of got hosed when the AAFC got merged with – you yeah, know, the NFL, because the Bills were, you know, that was a pretty strong franchise with a really strong fan base. Yeah. Uh, well, that you know, that's where uh,
2: George Hallis came yeah. back to haunt us. Yeah, he, exactly. He, he had a hatred for Buffalo yeah. after the uh, 1921 uh, debacle. He's so, got a long
1: memory, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah. Wow. Got Buffalo out of the NFL. Yeah, he
3: was. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, Greg, do you have any uh, favorite collecting story you'd like to share with our listeners about anything you picked up over the years? I I know you have numerous ones, but is is there anything that stuck out uh, above and beyond?
2: Yeah, yeah, there's one. Um, And it it comes back to Mary Wilson. Um, So I attended the Hall of Fame uh, enshrinement of Ralph Wilson in 2009. Bruce Smith also went in with that class. And at the Hall of Fame Enshrinement, at the Gold Jacket Dinner, after the dinner, they, fe- they sell a Hall of Fame stein that, that has all of the uh, enshrinees of that year and a picture of them on the stein. And I bought two steins. Later that fall, I was asked to give a talk at the Monday Quarterback Club about my collection. And also at that time, the History Museum was doing a 50th anniversary exhibit, which was part of my collection. And during my talk, unbeknownst to me, Mary Wilson was in the audience. And she came up to me afterwards and asked me if I would um, give her a, a, a personal tour of, of the um, exhibit. And I said, sure. Wow. So she came over to the history museum and while I'm giving her the tour, she sees the, the Stein and says, where did you get that? And I said, like, well, God, that's the hall of fame. And she said, well, they were all sold out by the time Ralph and I got out of the dinner. And I said, Oh, I said, well, I have a second one and I'd be happy to give it to you. But I said, it's back in my home and, Massachusetts, and I'm not going to mail it, but I'd be happy to give it to you um, when I come to Buffalo for a Bills game. Um, and so we exchanged contact information. Three days later, she calls me and says, would you really be willing to do that? And I said, absolutely. Um, so she invited me to the owner's box for the Patriots-Bills game a week later. Huh? and. I go to the owner's box and if you've ever you guys haven't been in Ralph Wilson Stadium or New Era Field now, but it's an old concrete edifice, right? So I walk up to the to the box and there's it's concrete and there's this big metal door and the guard, I tell the guard who I am and he lets me in. And all I can tell you is it was like going from Kansas to the Wizard of Oz. You walk in <laughs> and it's the most palatial thing you would ever see beautiful art on the walls mahogany all over the place beautiful carpet i mean it was incredible and there's two boxes there's their guest box and then there's ralph's box and you only go into ralph's box if invited so we go in and my my son was with me and you know we kind of do our you know they offer us food and drinks and everything and then and then we get invited into ralph's box And for 30 minutes, my son and I are with Ralph and Mary Wilson talking about the Buffalo Bills. And he's asking me questions about my collection and my love for the Bills. And he's telling me all this stuff about the Bills. And I give them the Stein. And they gave me a bag full of stuff that they had given out to people that went to their Hall of Fame induction party. Mm -hmm. Tickets to the party, all kinds of stuff. And I was just completely completely blown away um and you know wow. and here i am 10 years this is 2009 and here i am 10 years later with a relationship with mary wilson and she's donating a hall of fame bus um is pretty incredible pretty incredible
3: wow wow unbelievable that, that is an yeah amazing story. Incredible. i just <laughs> got chills on my back listening to it Oh, seriousness i mean that, that that's amazing I was I was hoping you were gonna say they gave you lifetime tickets to the Bills game <laughs>
1: <for being laughs> no I was thinking such what a dedicated could give
3: collector you know? and fan. <laughs> I thought that, you know, let's, let's throw this guy something. Oh, get him a ticket. Oh, yeah. like, you know, Geez, you know wow. it's about to be your box. I mean 'em I'm sure they got him. That's um, awesome. Yeah.
2: No, the Hall wow. of Fame bust and, and of course <laughs> they're, they're they were the Ralph Wilson Foundation was also a sponsor of the icons exhibit too. Um So they sponsored, they named the gallery. It's the Ralph C. Wilson Gallery uh, in the History Museum. So they've been very, they've been great to me and great to the organization. So um, there is something about building relationships and doing something nice for people. Yeah, definitely.
1: Definitely. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. An unforgettable experience.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you what your most memorable Bills game is. You mentioned two that were obviously memorable the Norwich wide right, although it didn't end well, was, as you mentioned, one of the best Super Bowls that's ever happened. And then it sounds like a fabulous experience. I can't imagine sitting through a game, talking to one of the, you know, icons of the NFL, like Ralph Wilson. That's totally cool. Uh, are those the most memorable games you've been involved in or, at, or um, from have a, there been some others? Yeah.
2: From a fan, I would say there's, there's three others that, that, um, really stick out. Um, the AFC championship game on January 20th 1991 when the Bills beat the Raiders 51 to 3 to go to Super Bowl 25 I remember it we like
1: it was yesterday
2: yeah yeah and That's we awesome. were ahead 41 to 3 at the half we <laughs> knew we were going to the Super Bowl i mean the second half was nothing but a party <laughs> in the stands. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um
2: so that one Great. um and then of course the greatest NFL comeback when we were losing 35 to three in the third quarter and came back and beat the Oilers 41 to 38 in overtime, um, as, as Van Miller, who's my favorite broadcaster of all time described it as it was happening. He said, it was like a tidal wave. The fans Mm -hmm. were just insane. I mean, we didn't sit down we didn't stop screaming Mm -hmm. from midway through the third Mm -hmm. quarter till the end of the game. Um, and then, and then, on the negative side, I was at home run throwback in Tennessee on January oh, no. eighth two thousand uh, um and we had the game won, and all the Tennessee fans around me were congratulating me that you know congratulations, you the bills deserve it, and then you know thirty seconds later, it's like,
1: "Oh my God, what happened um, Wow so, um, yeah, you, know, you think about so, it. The Bills have been involved in some very memorable NFL games. You know, some of the ones you mentioned—just you know, games that every everybody that's a fan remembers and has heard about.
2: Right, right. Well, it's still—it's the biggest route in uh, the 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 win over the Raiders is the biggest route in AFC Championship game history. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was the you know the Al Davis Raiders. <laughs>
3: Yeah,
2: Uh, who who came came in and basically said they were gonna they were gonna kill the Bills and and the the funniest part of the game is five plays into it the Bills are running the no huddle so fast that Howie Long called a timeout to catch his
3: breath. (laughs) Timeout. (laughs) 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 And I'm I'm sure Howie will never forget that. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, Greg, we're almost out of time. I got to ask you one more question. Excuse me uh, what advice would you give for beginning collectors, if any
2: well and it, it, it it's gonna uh, it's gonna um, harken back to kind of what I've talked about I mean eBay is an efficient and a fast way to find collectibles as you guys were talking about earlier in the show. If you're diligent, you can find all kinds of stuff. The interesting part is I amassed the vast majority of my collection long before eBay was even you know was even thought of, but I would still advise invest in building a network of collectors and friends go, you know go to card shows go to card shops flea markets garage sales meet people develop develop relationships they they'll pay huge dividends as you continue to collect for the long term and, and I can tell you many of my best friends today are people I've met through the hobby over the you know over the 50 years um and it's just those relationships and just like the Mary Wilson example, I mean, and I can give you tons of examples like that where collectors have friends of mine have called and said, Hey, I saw this. Do you need it? Um, You'd be amazed at the number of things I've found because I got referred by, you know, a fellow collector that I met along the way.
3: Um, And they're fun. I mean, the relationships are fun. Most definitely. I, I, vaguely remember what was a couple of years back I, I bought out a, a collector of some uh, football stuff he had and I know I sent you whatever it was I think it was the letterhead of the an old letterhead of yes. the bills or whatever And it was pretty interesting so I'd go right away when I saw it Greg, Greg will probably like it. I'm sure he has it already but mm-hmm. I'll have another one another issue but uh, but 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 those are, those are things that build relationships,
2: right? I mean, it's like, and you know, we go back oh, way yeah. back. Yeah. You know, how many years have we known each other now? And
3: yeah, I know. Uh, um, I feel really well know, old. <laughs> 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 Right, but you know, and then and you have thinking, me on the show, and, the... and yeah, Oh, get... I mean, thirty plus years, probably
2: over thirty. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely back into the eighties.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Well we're almost out of we're almost out of time, Greg. I truly appreciate uh you being on the show and talking about your incredible collection and about all the things you're doing now. I it's it's just amazing uh to me. And I've I've always been an envy of your collection over the years because it's it's just so complete It's just so perfect as far as I'm concerned. I truly thank you for being on. I also want to thank you publicly for all the support and articles you write for good iron greats magazine there's just some phenomenal stuff of reading it and i gotta say this my wife enjoys reading them too and she's fascinated by uh, the stuff you come up with so i i appreciate it immensely
2: well thank you bob and hey thanks a lot for being on the show and you know having me on the show and thanks so much for uh you know, actually letting me submit articles, and I, I really enjoy doing that. And uh, we have a great relationship, and I really appreciate that. And, Jeff, hey, it's uh, great to talk to you again, too. So th- thanks a lot. Yes, you
1: too.
3: Thank you. Greg Trentner Buffalo Bills, Super collector. We're down to about two minutes. We're going to go in our two-minute warning and wrap up. Jeff, I'm going to hand off to you Would you pick up on tonight's show. Wow.
1: Two (laughs) things rattling around in my head, Bob. First is I love talking to people who have a passion for history, particularly, of course, when it's football related. I mean, he rolls his eyes back and talks about Buffalo history, and I just love when people do that, right? And I can't wait to get his book. Um, You know, those are the kind of people, they're gold, and they're preserving the history of our sport. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if the NFL is not going to do it, we need to do it, right? And he's doing it. He's doing it. And as he mentioned, he's he's documenting the history of the entire sports, uh, professional sports, um, you know, scene in Buffalo since it started. I mean, how cool is that, right? I just love that stuff. Uh, That's one. Two is what he said about um, the network and community and stuff like that, just, you know, really – it's home for me and you right i mean you know i always say that yep. you know the cardboard is just an excuse to you know meet people and build friendships and just enjoy each other's company and talk about something that we really enjoy which is football and football memorabilia and i think he's he's right on about you know you know getting out there and meeting people and talking and whatever you know, it'll come back to you, right? You give something away to the bills, like you did. Yeah. Look what came back to him, and he, he didn't. He did it for the right reason. He did it just because it was, you know, a good thing to do, right? And uh, right. 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 you know, I, I just think that's a really important piece of the hobby that, um, unfortunately, sometimes people in the hobby don't, don't appreciate or don't uh, focus on.
3: Very true. Very true. We're almost out of time. We have got about ten seconds. I want to again thank Greg for being on. And I want to thank you, Jeff, for being my guest co-host tonight. Uh, It was a great show. So good to talk to Greg. And, and again, it makes me think of how many uh, friends like Greg I have in the hobby and and being in the hobby for so many years. Thanks for listening. Yep. It was a blast. Hopefully next, next week for another show. Take care.
0: Hey there, Sports History fan.